Hi, I'm Rebecca, and I am a Lars slash Francis slash Zoe. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I am a Lars slash Jessica. I'm Teresa, and I'm a Francis slash Tony, and we are Big Little Podcast talking about the finale of Hulu's Nine Perfect Strangers. Rebecca, please fill the audience in on the bonkers going goings on at Tranquillum House. Sure thing. So our episode kicks off where it left off with the big climax, What's Up with Carmel? And it is quickly confirmed Carmel is not only Masha's shooter, uh, that beard was just some really good makeup skills, um, and yes, Carmel did indeed send all those menacing texts. So that's all resolved within like the first minute of this show. Nice, neat little bow. Carmel wants Masha to call the police, have her committed, but instead Masha forgives her and then promptly puts her into some sort of like creepy Lapochka trance. <laughs> Tony is social distancing in the pool until Francis arrives to spill the beans on the lockdown murmurs. She also apologizes for their sauna conversation, and Tony agrees that their instinct to date is wrong. However, he suggests they check out a tranquillum into a Four Seasons and go on a dinner date regardless. Meanwhile, the Masha and Marconi trip gets off to a bad start when Lars reveals Masha's intentions to use them as death pilots, but Masha quickly gets everyone back on board by sharing her personal tragedy and claiming their pain is her pain too. They all hold hands and meditate. Things seem to be going actually pretty well, all things considered, until Leon starts bleeding from the nose and obviously panics, believing he's having an aneurysm, which fair. Just in time, Zach arrives and he calms everybody down and the Marconi quickly confront Zach about all of their respective guilt and Heather thinks that the belt that she got him has got some symbolism. Zoe feels like they were playing some silent treatment game and that's the reason. And Zach quickly says that there's no logic, there's no blame to what happened and if he could take it back, he would. Meanwhile, Carmel has been forcibly installed into a sensory deprivation tank and is rightfully freaking out. She does eventually self-soothe, calms down with some happy memories of her kids, um, and though she's kind of told to stay in the tank, she eventually extricates herself from the tank, only to realize she's been locked inside a padded room, and then begins rightfully freaking out again. On their way to check out of Tranquillum, against the advice of a suddenly very menacing glory, Tony and Francis run into Ben and Jessica. The gang discovers their cars are gone, but before they get too worked up about the missing Lambo, they hear Carmel's screams. Linking up with Lars, they try and bust Carmel out, but the steel door to the padded room won't budge. Francis and Tony go to find Masha and threaten to call the cops if Masha doesn't take care of Carmel right away. Masha brings the gang to the padded room with Carmel and effortlessly locks seven of our strangers inside before instructing Glory to start the fire. The room begins to smell with smoke, the gang face the reality of their impending doom, and start to share what they do differently in life. Lars would be nicer and have a baby with Ray, Ben would go back to work, Jessica wants to stop caring what people think and become a boss babe, Carmel would let go of the past, and Francis is just grateful to have met Tony and wants to give him the key. Back in the jungle, Leon is chasing the iPhone alarm, his iPhone alarm until he finds Zach. Zach finally apologizes to the family for hurting them and urges them to move on from their grief, separate him from his suicide, they finally get it, everyone embraces, tears are shed, closure is had, and on their way back to Tranquillum, trip sort of winding down, Zoe catches a snowflake. She urges Masha to follow her into the coming snow before encouraging Masha to let go and running away, leaving Masha alone to finally reunite with her dead daughter Tatiana and embrace just as the wails of sirens approach. Yao lets the gang out of the padded room, revealing the fire was fake, just a yet another fucked up therapy to simulate mere death. And then the cops finally are on the scene. They take Masha into custody. But instead of revealing the extent of Masha's insane therapies, our strangers tell some classic big little lies to cover it all up. 
The episode ends with Tony and Francis going out to dinner, getting their house dog, starting a beautiful family. Yao and Delilah are in the Peace Corps. Lars has his baby and has published an expose for The New Yorker. Carmel is now inexplicably leading group therapy. Jessica and Ben inexplicably have taken over Tranquillum. And Masha drives off in Ben's car, a copy of Nine Perfect Strangers, written by Francis on the dashboard, ghost daughter by her side. End scene. What? Yeah. I, yeah. I, okay, so <laughs> I, I guess we'll start with the Marconis and the trip. Sure. Does that sound good? Um, I guess. Yeah. So I was finding myself feeling like this is unconscionably cruel for a while because it's kind of like, okay, you get him back just to take him away again. Yeah. But by the end of it, I was like, okay, I, I get it. Like, I think Zoe kind of explains, like, I got to say goodbye. Yep. And that was... They they needed closure. Right. And so how did you feel about the resolution of that? I liked the impulse. I thought it was really cheesy. I thought that was some (laughs) of the worst writing so far. Mm -hmm. You know, the show, despite some of its quirks, has been pretty well written. Mm -hmm. And that just felt like really clunky, cliche stereotypes about morning suicide like it just I don't know I thought that could have been better written but I didn't hate the idea of using those drugs to get the closure they were denied in a sudden unexplained suicide Mm -hmm. I think it was a little contradictory the whole conceit that he's only what they already know if they didn't know that Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. but I guess maybe that's like part of the pathways the new pathways the drugs have opened up and allowed them to achieve that forgiveness I don't know I don't think it's worth getting down into like the deep philosophical semantics of this i think it like superficially the instinct work i just think it would like could have been far better executed what do you think carolyn oh this was a hot fucking mess like <laughs> what the hell she doesn't parse words our Caroline. yeah no 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 like why who decided that this needed to happen as the ending we were all speculating like what was gonna happen like you know it, and, and I, I mean, I was totally all on board for, like, no happy ending for mm-hmm. Francis and Tony. Like, I was like, I feel like that's kind of how this should go. But then th- for everyone to get this, like, happy packaged with a bow ending that was so poorly written and so ridiculous and outlandish and Jessica and Ben taking over Tranquilium, I was like, what, what the fuck? I, I was so mad at this. It made me want to just, like, rip my TV off the wall. I basically became Carmel-level rage over this ending. So, well. Yeah. That's- um, okay, so before we jump to everybody's ending, let's talk a little bit more about the fire. Now, this is, sure. this is something, this is a story element that sort of comes from the book. I, I didn't think we were going to see this based on everything that's happened before. Um, But there are some things about this that really don't make sense to me in the way that they've worked it into the, into the show. Mainly like, so we learned that this room was basically made to simulate this fire, but it's a sensory deprivation room where, I mean, typically I think there would only ever really be one person. It just so happened that like the rest of the, you know, gang was trying to break her out. And so they, they were easy enough to get in there and then close them all in there. So like, 
is most of the time, are you just like making one person think they're going to die in a fire? Like what is going on? Like, what did you I make of like this? Nothing is standardized at Tranquillum. Yeah. And like, they are just flying by the seat of their pants in every certain scenario. So yes, from a logical, rational medical standpoint, I don't think like you would ever want to put more than one person in there, mm-hmm. but like, that's not how Masha's mind works. And as the show has tried to set up, that's why she's brilliant. That's how she cures people by mm-hmm. doing absolutely insane, illegal things. <laughs> I mean, I just, I found that whole thing sort of a throwaway. Like if that had like mm-hmm. been stretched out longer and I didn't ever really feel like that sense of peril. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't, I, I kind of figured like, this is not, Masha wouldn't say like, we're going to start the fire to someone if it wasn't going to be a controlled thing. Mm-hmm. And I got the impulse. Like we want them to have the near death experience. So they realize how precious life is and it will just solidify their demons. And I just, I felt it was really kind of like a cheap last minute way to resolve everybody else's journey because Mm -hmm. we have kind of skipped on other people's journeys in the pursuit of like the punchier storyline. So Mm -hmm. I don't think like Ben and Jessica really have had like that deep change. And that was a really like easy way to get them there. Mm -hmm. Same with Lars. Like it was an easy way to get him there because he's not been really participating in the drugs to the same extent. So I just felt like it was kind of a convenient narrative device and I probably would like it better in a book where I feel like I naturally am going to have more of a sense of suspense because I'm doing all like the imaginative labor myself if Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah and I mean in the show we also see that um Delilah is out there like working to get people back to yes Tranquillum and it's all kind of at the same time so just from years of watching things you're trained to understand that the police are going to show up in time and all these people aren't going to die in fire right like even if you do believe it's real yeah by that point I felt like all of the stakes they've been building for some sort of dramatic death Mm -hmm. which has definitely been shared by the audience at least our audience all thought that somebody was going to die this episode Mm -hmm. in the polls we took like many people running the gamut between Yao was a popular choice, Masha was obviously a popular choice, Tony and Francis. Like, I realized pretty quickly after the Carmel thing was resolved Mm -hmm. and Carmel was isolated again, I was like, these high dramatic stakes have been a red herring this whole time. And we have, like, again, like, almost the Occam's razor. Like, it's the least dramatic, most plausible thing, which is that they all come out alive which is kind of like that same feeling I felt with the undoing being like, oh, really? That's it? Like mm-hmm. all of this. And it's just like they're all cool with what happened to them. There's no real fallout. Masha's not in jail. Like yeah. all of the things someone didn't die. I mean, I, not that I want anyone to die. And I do think it was subversive in that like it built you up to think that you're going to have this big violent ending and the show's kind of enjoyed playing with the difference between expectation and reality. But it still just felt like really anticlimactic and not necessarily earned. No, I just feel like this whole show, like, didn't have good continuity. I, I mean, even if you look at the smoothies, that the smoothie porn that we got established at the beginning, mm. that kind of just, like, fell by the wayside. And the same thing happened with, like, all these plot lines and these intricate buildings of these characters. Even the whole big reveal with Carmel and, and just, like, this kind of flat, like, I forgive you, like... Mm-hmm. This it, it just was kind it was garbage writing that you really felt for me 
it, it just completely destroyed it, it, the, the whole experience. Nothing about the show followed through for me. And in fact, like the resolutions in the end were so bizarre. Like the Jessica and Ben taking over Tranquilium. I'm still fixated on that. That to me, I think was one of the most bizarre choices. But the fire room, this death therapy thing, that this, that, you know, Masha is obsessed with using her tactic of uh, making people face death is kind of fascinating as a, uh, you know, as, as a therapy concept. But it just makes me think, did you guys ever see the movie What About Bob with Richard Dreyfuss and Bill Murray? No. Yeah, I think I saw it many, many years ago, but I've forgotten it at this point. It, it's a pretty solid uh, summer comedy. Uh, but basically, Bill Murray plays this guy who suffers from all these different anxieties and uh, mental disorders. Uh, and he becomes obsessed with his therapist, who is Richard Dreyfus, and he follows him on his family vacation. And uh, there's like this whole joke that like he gets cured by death therapy, which is really just Richard Dreyfus having a breakdown and actually trying to kill Bob, the Bill Murray character. Um, it's so wild. It's like your classic like 80s wild comedy. But... Uh, all when I was watching this, that's all I could think of. There's this like moment where Bill Murray sings this song to him about how his death therapy cured him, and that's all that was playing in my head during this. <laughs> well, I think one of the things the show did a little bit better than the book, and maybe this was just me not being attentive attentive enough in the book, but like driving home the idea that this is all about death therapy and it's all related to Masha's yeah. experience, like. I, for some reason, I just never connected those threads really with the book and understanding that it was all of a piece. And I think maybe that's because the show so explicitly does that grave scene mm -hmm. early on where everybody's got to yeah. get in their own grave and they really hammered home for a long time. Yeah. Um, so I actually thought that might be, that is maybe the one thing the show did a little bit. Yeah, before. I definitely picked up on that. I definitely uh, accepted the, like I said, I mean, the concept of death therapy, being faced with your own mortality and having to question the choices that you've made and are making. I think they're, that they that maybe is like the one through line through the show that is uh, that is present and is maybe well done, but still not even kind of, and, and, you know, it relating from Masha's personal experience. But it still doesn't... The character of Masha still falls flat to me here. Right? Yeah, I mean, so let's talk about that for a little minute. Because her part, her, you know, part, taking part in the hallucination is like... I mean, it's very brief, really, right? And it's still only facilitated by Zoe. Like, Zoe is a powerful witch and, like... Her connection to Stevie Nicks makes sense now. And, like, she, it, without her, like, none of this happens, it seems like. And so, I mean, it makes sense, like, going back to that episode where Masha is like, you're the one, you're the key, whatever she says to her. But um, I, I, I have trouble wrapping my head around how Masha then goes on to continue seeing this daughter without the help of Zoe. Did Unless any Zoe of that make like sense taught to? her like like through Zoe, Masha learned mm -hmm. how to let go because Zoe had learned how to let go. It's like they helped each other in some regards. I don't know. <laughs> I thought that again, like it was it felt very convenient 
that that's where that this was going to end up. Mm-hmm. And I, what I really liked about the show is how willing it was to go into like the messier things of interpersonal relationships and kind of like really make you uncomfortable with that. And I just felt the end was all designed to make you feel comfortable and resolved about everything. And I kind of wanted to be left with a little more of, of an emotional feeling as opposed to like, well, I don't have to ever think about these characters ever again because they all got exactly what they wanted. And mm-hmm. uh-huh. I guess the only thing that will haunt me is that Masha's out there living her delusional best life. So let's talk about that a minute. Like, why is she not in jail? <laughs> that's a million dollar question. Like, I because the strangers lied for her. Like, that's what we're led to believe. I mean, but like... You know, the part that sort of stands out to me is, like, Ben and Jessica trying to explain to the police what happened. And they're kind of, like, having trouble Yeah, they're like, I should be more mad. (laughs) Yeah, like, they're like, they're like, well, it's complicated. It's more complicated than it sounds. And it sounds like they're trying to convey what she did wrong. Yeah. But fail? Yeah. It didn't even really feel like they were lying. It was just, like, they couldn't really, like, nothing illegal was done here or something. Well, she said they drugged us without our consent. Well, mm-hmm. actually, no, I gave my consent. He didn't. Mm-hmm. And then she says, I th- I feel like we should be more mad than we are. And then I think that was kind of the theme is that because they all got what they needed and what they wanted, they weren't mad about all like the crazy fucked up steps in between. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's the commentary this show is trying to make that grief is, you know, really tricky and tough. And sometimes it takes radical measures to confront mortality and existential issues and drugs and (laughs) fasting and an unhinged Russian are the only way that you will find the solace you crave. Yeah. Which I also think is a troubling message to leave people with. Rebecca, I found myself in that shot where Masha is driving off in what I assume is Ben's Lamborghini, right? It was Ben's Lamborghini. Uh, so yeah, she stole a car. That should be enough to put her in jail. Well, White women get maybe, away with maybe that's how they bought <laughs> Tranquilium from her. Maybe they traded a car for a stop. That was my thought, too. I assume there was some sort of deal to be had there. Yeah. So, sure. all right, let's assume that. But... Regardless, I found myself in that shot where she's, like, driving off with her, you know, ghost daughter. It made me think of your theory where, like, they've all been dead this whole time. My theory would have been better. So, yes. I found myself being like, I hope Masha is just fucking dead and that this is her, like, version of... I thought she was going to go full Selma and Louise off the cliff. Yeah, yeah. I kind of thought, like, at least that was going to happen or, like, that this was some sort of fantasy where she was like really in a jail cell or a padded cell yeah. or something uh-huh. or a padded room. Yeah. that would have been a nice call yeah yeah no. yeah I I was really hoping that that shot was not real um and that this was some sort of like fever dream of hers or that she was dead now and you know any it would have been powerful too if Lars Paulus's piece and she still was in jail and there was that like commentary on how transgressive sciences and things are often, like, punished. I mean, like, anything more than just, like, everybody goes their separate ways. They're all perfectly happy. Literally every person gets a happy ending. We had no resolution for the Delilah, Yao, Masha love triangle at all. Like, Oh, well, they end up together, Delilah and... and But, like, there's no... That seemed like it was going to be such an important focal point of this, that, like, he was having an affair with her. And then we got that whole scene where it seemed like she was actually the one having an affair and they were not. Yao didn't know. And then just to have Yao and Delilah end up together, like, Working no Working at, like, a 
UPS or something? Is that what they were doing? I was. I thought confused. it was supposed to be the Peace Corps because there was like oh, a Dove right. yeah. logo mm-hmm. or something. But like, who knows? It was not. I just felt like, wow, I would have thought that because she, uh, you know, turned her back on Tranquillum and called the cops and he was loyal to Masha, that they would have some like confrontation or tension and maybe they'd go with their stuff. I don't know. It just felt like way too neat and almost like a dream sequence in mm-hmm. some ways. I mean, it feels like just based on Delilah's testimony, there should have been some kind of charge. Right? Yeah. Like, like even if no one else wants to press charges, like, it's still a crime has been committed? I don't know. Like, this seems insane. Or she yeah. should, like, when they show up there, she's in the middle of, like, a hallucination. There wasn't, like, a 72-hour cycle or something. <laughs> like, I mean, what about, like, all the literal illegal drugs? Yeah. Like yeah. That, mm-hmm. that would be enough. She, this woman is not, like, running a conducted scientific trial where she's allowed to have low dosages of LSD and stuff like that mm-hmm. in a clinical setting. She is just dosing these people with high quantities of drugs at her own volition. Yeah. In a wellness retreat. That's illegal. It, Last time I checked. If not, I'm opening a business. <laughs> <laughs> this ending was just so sloppy. Like, there were so many... Uh, it, it was like... You know when you're when you were like writing a paper in college and it was like four in the morning and you're just like oh my god fucking I gotta land this plane yeah, one way or another. totally yeah. that's what this reminded me of where you just put on this like slapdash ending and you're like you know just wiping your hands of it and going to bed so you can grab a couple hours of sleep. I feel like David E. Kelly doesn't do good endings. Like Big Little Lies was, I think, the best he's done. Yeah. Of all the shows we've covered. Like, I just feel like it gets, he spends so much time trying to throw you off the scent and not enough time on, like, what the actual payoff at the end is going to be. Well, you know what I feel like happened here is because I was really surprised by all the ways it came back around to the book in this last episode. There were still plenty of things that, like, were never even a thing in the book, but... But it felt like they spent, like, three or four episodes just explaining what was even going on with the Marconis and this shared hallucination and how Masha wanted to participate, that they just then had to cram absolutely everything in at the last minute. Yeah, Yeah. it could have easily been two more episodes, and they spread it out and, like, allowed some of that suspense, allowed you to sit with some of these concepts for more than two seconds, because it was moving at a breakneck pace. And I, in my recap combined everything but in actuality it was just back and forth between Carmel Mm -hmm. Tony and Francis trying to leave the jungle scenes and I get if that's an intention like if you're trying to make you feel unmoored as a viewer to replicate maybe some of these feelings of like out of body experience or whatever but it just wasn't enough time to like get on board with where this was going no and like the even the fire scene i was like how long have they been in there like 10 minutes yeah like a day i have no idea yeah it's it was odd i'm telling you guys it this was total fucking garbage (laughs) i wouldn't go that far i wasn't like mad i was just confused and a little i I felt a little disappointed i feel like a mom i'm not mad i'm just a little bit disappointed david i feel like it's not that this should have been longer. It's that they should have been more disciplined in the middle. Sure. Uh-huh. Because they, it just took, they took so long with some things and absolutely no time at all with others. And I think that answers like the Carolyn Smoothie complaint. Mm-hmm. Like in the beginning, they were trying to take so long that they were adding a lot of this gratuitous stuff that was actually kind of fun. Yeah. Because it heightened the mystery and it was like, what are these sexy smoothies? Like, mm-hmm. but as things started to get revealed, and the timeline started crunching. They were like, we're going to spend a lot more time on these, like, big issues. 
and not like the world building that made Tranquilum such an interesting place. Like at the beginning, mm-hmm. everyone was like, I would stay at Tranquilum. By the end, I'm like, I, not only I do I find it's like not as interesting as I thought it was at the beginning. Like it just, I don't know. But would you go to Tranquilum now that Ben and Jessica are running it? <laughs> Absolutely no. not. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm intrigued. I feel like it's going to be a hot mess of a whole other kind. And then that led me to be like, oh my God, are they setting this up for some sort of season two? Are we going to get some sort of half-baked season two, like what happened with Big Little Lies? They'll like Probably. bring in a Meryl Streep and, you know, go for it. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't even think I could watch that garbage. But no. um, I, I just feel like this whole... Uh, Jessica, I, I'm, like I said, I'm fixated on Jessica and Ben taking over a health spa. Like, what are their credentials? What are they going to do there? Uh, are they just going to, like, have set up people in, like, sexy rooms and teach them how to, like, fuck? Like, I don't know what their plan is. What is what is? I would just like more realism. Like, when Jessica was saying, like, I want to, like, do my own thing, like, I would have liked to see her future, like, running an MLM. Right. Like the yeah. a step in the right direction, <laughs> but the wrong direction. Like something that felt like more accurate to like how people actually respond, which is that therapy is not usually a one and done thing. You don't go to an immersive two week thing and come out completely healed with a new boyfriend, a dog. Like oh. it just all felt like irresponsible to the storytelling. And if it had been more nuanced with their outcome, if like, I, I mean, don't know, Tony and Francis didn't end up together. Like, as much as I was, I wanted them to kiss again, and I was pissed we only got, like, one kiss on the mouth, I kind of would have been, I would have felt better if they'd both gone their separate ways and had that healing on their this own This is terms. what I'm saying. This show just totally lacked the continuity of where it started. It, it was really, really wild to me, this, this whole episode, this whole wrap-up. And... Even everything with Car, like the 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 Carmel storyline, ending yeah, her that was annoying. ending mm-hmm. her being a therapist, like saying like, oh, I did bad things and then I was forgiven and now I'm gonna help you find that forgiveness. Like this is now we're just reaching. Now we're just being ridiculous. Like there is, and and it was very frustrating to me that this like crackpot like therapy. When in, in especially now where you have so many people suffering from mental health issues during a, you know, a global pandemic and to have this show make it look like there is, you know, kind of like glorify this really bizarre therapy and drugs. Like, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't have the same problem you guys have with the Francis and Tony storyline because that sort of makes sense to me. These people who were there struggling with these things that did seem like it could be solved by yeah by by what was happening in the show made sense to me it was the caramel storyline that drove me insane because one the very quick turnaround resolution of it at the yeah. beginning of the episode was annoying it's like okay so she's plotted this this whole time she's been sending these messages and she and then she's just like <laughs> and then she's just like Meh. yeah she shot she shot her once yeah but all she but this is just all and she's perhaps more just out of her mind than she's ever been because she's been hopped up in drugs and probably off her real meds and god knows what else and and then it's just over and she's she's like i'm sorry you're great and it that just really makes no sense to me that i was i was just sort of enraged by 
Although she did now that I'm remembering it and you mentioned that she took um, that she went into like a kind of trance like state there at the uh, end. Yeah. Is that what the drug was that Yao had her take in the last episode? That could have been it could have been that for sure that it was some sort of yeah. sedative that took a long time to kick in. Mm-hmm. I just thought like that's why she kept saying don't call me Laposhka because she'd done it to her before or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. And that was the story that really enraged me. Yeah, I think Regina Hall did such a great job, Mm -hmm. too. Like, I really loved her performance, and I was really frustrated for her that, like, that was the resolution of her character. Like, Yeah, and, like, in the amount of time, you know, like, we see everybody else, and it seems like it's maybe, well, I guess maybe it's a, a year in the future or so, because Lars has had time to have a baby. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, um, who seems to be a few months old. But I was like, she's all already, like, has a degree and is able to run uh-huh. therapy groups. Like, I mean, I thought maybe she was, like, at some sort of impatient thing and was leading, like, a counseling thing. No. I don't know, which you could probably do sooner. But it's more like the work she had to do to get her mental health right before yeah. she's in any position yeah. to be giving any kind of advice, period. Yeah. Like, it had been one, I would have been much more satisfied with that if it had been a simple change. If she'd been sitting in the group listening mm-hmm. to some sort of group therapy and, like, participating in that and sharing her experience as a part of group. Or if she was just at home, healthy, with yeah. her daughters again, like, which is the thing we kept hearing about early on that, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, it was just lack of consistency and follow through and any sort of reality got thrown out the window here, too. So I, I mean that but I kind of don't agree with you there in that I think there are things that feel right here, right? Like the Marconi's journey. Like I do actually feel like if there is um, sort of a quick fix to be had here yes it's probably exactly what we saw with the marconis and with francis and tony all right yeah Yeah. no one is suffering from major mental illness really except maybe a little bit tony right because he's pretty severely depressed it seems like at the beginning and you know this guided grief journey seems like the exact thing psychedelic therapy is designed to do and then the same thing goes for, like, Tony and Francis, where, like, they're able to open up. These drugs are able to let them to yeah. let them open up and then confronting their own mortality, I guess, although they seemed ready to, like, go out and be happy people before they're forced to think they're dying in a fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like, it, those are the things that make sense to me. It's, like, the Ben and Jessica thing doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and... And Carmel doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And not just because Ben and Jessica end up owning Tranquillum, but I just feel like your problems were your problems before. And I guess there are ways in which it seems like they kind of battle through those and come up with good, you know, instead of, you know, Ben's like, I miss having a purpose and so he wants to go to back to work. And she understands that it's not all about what everybody else thinks about you anymore. But they still had like their connection was only refueled by these drugs and how long is that going to last? That's right. what I want. Yeah. So, I don't know. 
I no, guess. So I agree with you that I think the Marconi storyline is probably the one that remains the most consistent mm-hmm. and is based the most in how in the reality of this situation that mm-hmm. You know, I guess of everything, I was happy to see them get that closure because that is so clearly what they needed as they were all blaming themselves for this. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, fine. I feel like the Marconi storyline was advanced at, like, the sacrifice of the other Agreed. That's what I was just about to say. I think that, like, we got so fixated on that that everyone else became secondary characters who we never really got we never got to go deep on what any of their issues were or how these resolutions happened for them. And yes, it is nice for Francis and Tony to have this happy ending. And in some ways, that's kind of what they were searching for. So their issues were much more, uh, you know, yes, he had depression and everything. They both kind of did. But, uh, you know, all right. So I'll accept that as being a believable thing, though I still struggle with, you know, I, I feel like those two are such, uh, you know, they, they're, they're those characters, their personalities are, they have a lot to deal with entering into a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how much puppies and sunshines uh, and ice cream sundaes they'd be having in the long term. But I'm willing to accept that. It was, for me, just the total lack of development of characters and plot lines beyond what was going on with the Marconis that then to have kind of these like, you know, and they lived happily ever after for everyone was really confronting for me and enraging. The person I was most mad about was Carmel for sure, but also Justice for Lars. Like, Mm. I felt his whole story was underwritten. I thought we were going to go something more interesting Mm. with it. I think like... He gets his magazine article. He gets his baby. But, like, I didn't see any of his growth. Like, And the little glimmers that we got weren't enough, I think, for him to, like, work through all that stuff. And I also think Luke Evans is just a great actor, and I wish that the show had given him more to do. Yeah. And the moments we got from him were some of my favorite moments. And I, you know, I think a high point was him just belting out a bunch of cabaret tunes, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. in swift succession. Like, those are really great moments. And I wish he'd been given as much to chew on as, like, Melissa McCarthy had been given, because I think he could have really... I thought he was going to be, like, one of the, the stellar high points of this series, and he just faded into the background. Like, we're, he's not even a, really a part of our conversation we're having right now because it was so underwritten. And he was, in the last episode, really just reduced to a background character. He was uh-huh. just observing everything. Yeah, I think it's interesting because this is something, like, Lars is part of the book, but he's not he's not a journalist, like I've said before. And so I think they have to, they really go... Anytime these shows go too far off script from the book, I think we end up with problems. And I, and Lars is, I feel like, even in the book, even a little bit of a background character. Yeah. Mm. Um, he's, just, he's just not as big a part of the book as, say, the Marconis or Francis. But that could also probably be, be, be said for Tony a little bit and Carmel a little bit. And so it, but they really sort of, I, I've been revisiting the book because we're going to have to do the the book club episode soon. And he's kind of like, he's not unlike the character here where he's just kind of a party. He's like, he's down to party. He doesn't really care about the drugs. He's like, this is fun. I'm just going to go and sort of doesn't expect to get much out of this kind of crazy therapy. And so I, it's kind of fun to see things through his eyes because he's not 
Yeah. Like, confronting such deep issues. But they yeah. still really do him a disservice in this last episode where it's just, like, he's just standing there with his camera half the time, like, filming things. And I think the only real growth moment we kind of see from him is where he realizes that it's not his business to be filming this, like, very intimate experience that the Marconis are help, help you know, that they're having. But at the same time, that's not something we've been, like, struggling with through through the entire series like you know what i mean like that's right. not the thing he's been he's been confronting so i it felt weird mm. all right so what's the final verdict on masha is she crazy or is she crazy like a fox <laughs> i feel like the show wants us to finally say she's the real deal and i won't do mm-hmm. it david yeah nope <laughs> yep what do you think, Carolyn? Oh, no, she's just still batshit crazy. Like, yeah. yes, she had a, her ends justified her means. Like, she got what she wanted, but that still just makes her crazy. And even the way, like, when the cops came and the the way she behaved in those moments, like, that's a crazy person. A hundred percent. There's something interesting here, too, where... I'm kind of, and I think this is just a problem of the the show and not not the book where I don't understand like what is part of the new protocol and what's not and how much of this is scripted and what you you know like how much of this is part of the normal therapy and how much is not like I think we're to understand the increased amount of drugs that the Marconis get are not part of the normal therapy. Uh-huh. But what about the fire therapy? Like, is has this been hanging around? Like, is this, like, all these people who've recommended this to people have all gone through this? Like, I don't... And does everyone who goes to Tranquillum get it? Or is it just for people who are really severely ill? I also, like, there's what a about lot the of whole things... guy who died? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's left up in the air, too. Like, a, a full human being died as a result of this treatment, and mm-hmm. that was left unexplored. It's so crazy. Well, clearly the cops listen to Masha and believe that he, he just died of eating too many hamburgers, uh, which makes you concerned <laughs> for Tony at the end when he orders two hamburgers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that, uh, I, yeah, I mean, maybe this is, like, her this was her way that's why I'm wondering like what are Jessica and Ben gonna do are they gonna keep those death therapies because they find that it worked for them are they gonna continue to use drugs like as much as I said I wouldn't watch a sequel because it's gonna be it would be a hot mess like I am so fascinated by what like what they felt worked there for them (laughs) (laughs) that made made her be like well I want to be a boss babe and I'm gonna run this spa um, or would it be kind of much more of like an Instagram spa? Yeah, I I don't know. Um, <laughs> so if you had to hang out with just one of these people for the entire retreat, who would you pick? Francis. All right. Carolyn. So for me, I'm torn between Lars and Francis. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, Lars would be fun too. Yeah, I think either one of those would be. Uh, would be good to have with you on this crazy journey. Yeah, I, I was leaning towards Lars because I just feel like 
he's the only person who's like you could actually like buddy up with for the whole time and not be imposing yourself on anything you know what Mm -hmm. i mean that's true good mm -hmm. point yeah and who never loses his mind (laughs) like you know all right so we've got two therapies in this episode we've got a group hallucination or the faux near-death experience which one would you pick rebecca I mean, it's obvious. Uh, as much as I don't recommend taking large quantities of drugs like that, I would take the drugs. <laughs> well, there's Care. also a third therapy here. We also have the um, isolation tank, like the saltwater floating tank thing. Oh, yeah, that's a no for me. Uh, I'm, well, and I also feel like that's just a ruse. part to, yeah, to get you in that room so oh. you have the fire experience. So you- Oh yeah, so it's they're all they're all kind of part of the same. It's bundled. You can't it's have one without the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of fear to face. But maybe I mean, if you get a breakthrough like all these people and end up with their happy ending, maybe it's worth it. Uh, I, I'm kind of intrigued by saying I'll take the like isolation chamber and the fire therapy. Oof. No. Oh, yeah. No, no way. I'm going with the psychosis man i'm going with the, <laughs> the drug-induced psychosis that fire would like nope no thank you uh-uh. that's like one of my like top worst imagining ways to go yes fire uh-huh. i would have hit yeah yeah i would have gone yeah. mr kendo on his ass when he told me what was going on yeah i thought that they somebody was gonna hit him i wanted somebody to hit him in his smug little face um <laughs> I, just, like, no consent. Like, this is just, like, call it the yeah. non-consent therapy. It was just, like, I don't know. I guess that would fly in the face of, like, an authentic near-death experience if you knew it was coming. But, like, Jesus Christ, the legality around this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it is. I I mean, I feel like that could induce PTSD in somebody. Like, yes. you, the assumption is that, It like, would give you, me a heart attack. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. Like, you're going to break through if you have a near-death experience. It even though, like, what we know of, like, pretty much all the soldiers who have repeated near-death experiences is that they end up with PTSD, you know? Like, this is crazy. Madness. So, I I don't know how many lines there were to be had in this episode, but, uh, Carolyn, did you, did you have a favorite? You know, yeah, there wasn't really a whole lot. I guess... I did chuckle and I did enjoy her delivery when Jessica is like, yeah, and they drugged us without consent. Well, I consented. I kind of liked it. But he yeah. didn't consent. <laughs> like, I felt that that was uh, really, uh, that that one got a laugh out of me in this episode. At that point, I was so filled with rage or start, it was really boiling up. And that moment broke that for me. Um, and, and again, cemented her as just a terrific actress with great delivery. Yeah. Rebecca, what about you? I had two that I wrote down, and they're both Francis and Tony back and forth, because you know I stand. <laughs> um, the first is when uh, Tony, she says something about her age, and Tony goes, I thought you were 50. And she goes, 40 plus. And he goes, 40 plus 10. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And then the second one was when they're trying to open the doors, and Francis like is encouraging Tony. He's like, he turns around and goes, it's steel. He's like, I'm flattered. I'm but flattered. No, but no. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was yeah. good. Um, mine was a uh, Tony and Francis too when they're talking about breaking out and going to the Four Seasons, and she's like, "Do you even own real trousers?" And he's like, "No." 
And she's like, all right, let's go. And, like, and then his up. dinner jacket is his hoodie. I yeah. love that. <laughs> I also just, I, I actually quite love the idea of people, like, finally breaking free from this crazy restrictive place and just binging. Just, like, going whole hog right back to where they were. Just, like, give me multiple cheeseburgers yep. on a Sunday and yep. Tito's and soda and, yeah. <laughs> so recommendations this week. First of all... Before we get to our other recommendations, overall, Rebecca, would you recommend someone watch this show? I would recommend it if it's like a you've broken a bone and you're at home for a long period of time <laughs> and you're taking maybe some painkillers to have you feeling a little loopy. I would recommend this specifically for that. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I don't, it's not my favorite. Is it better than Little Fires Everywhere? Yeah. Is it better than The Undoing? Absolutely. But is it better than. Big Little Lies, no. Uh, yeah. Big Little Lies 2 might even have an edge over this. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, I... I big words. I know. I know. I had to think about it, but I think I'm willing to say that. I'll support that, Rebecca. Yeah, if somebody uh, wanted to watch this show, if they were asking me, like, oh, should I watch that? I would probably tell them, nah, pass. Like, watch something else. Um, it just... I. I'm interested to read the book now, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, hopefully the book like really saves this whole saves this whole thing for me. I think that the thing that I would say to somebody about this show is that the acting performances are stellar. Yeah, with sure. the exception yeah. of Nicole Kidman. But I, mean, <laughs> I think there's a lot of moments in the in between that kind of make this worth watching. Like, I, I really love, like, probably the, you know, third through sixth episode or something like that. Mm. I think they're yeah. fun. And, like, if you never finish watching this, I don't think you're missing out on much. But yeah. um, but I think there's, like, I think there's, it's beautiful, first of all. Like, it's just nice to look at. And then I think there's a lot of, like, a lot of the comedic relief from Francis and Tony yep. is worth watching and uh, like carolyn said a lot of the performances are really great and so i think like if you can just be in it for that and not really worry about what happens at the end it's worth watching that's a fair assessment Mm -hmm. all right well with that out of the way um carolyn what do you recommend this week um you know, I'm utterly unprepared to recommend anything this week. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have been uh, really busy and have not been able to invest a lot of time in uh, watching anything or reading anything, sadly. So I'm still just like watching The Circle and still just obsessed with uh, Only Murders in the Building. So mm-hmm. I really have uh, have nothing uh, nothing solid to recommend. Uh, that Bill Murray movie would work. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say, other than I do suggest if you're feeling like watching something that looks at, uh, you know, mental illness in sort of a very strange yet satisfying and hopeful way, totally check out What About Bob with Richard Dreyfuss. I'm a big Bill Murray fan. Um, and uh, Yeah, I mean, you're not the only one. That's kind of a real cult classic. Like, it, it is. Gets, my partner, Ryan, quotes it 
all the time with his family and I'm just sitting there like I don't know what's happening but yeah no it is it is really a really fun fun watch and it features like a lot of great like character actors and and comedians and uh I I highly recommend that and then you'll understand what the death therapy song that I'm talking about is um that that was playing in my head while watching this so let's go with that as my recommendation okay Rebecca have you been wasting your time? <laughs> always. I'm always down to waste my time. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched a documentary since we last recorded mm-hmm. on Amazon called Lula Rich. <gasps> I loved oh. that. Oh, my God. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and I have a family member who was involved in Lula Row and is now involved in a class action. <laughs> and it is just it was so interesting and so insidious. And the... CEO and founder Deanne is my new sleep paralysis demon. I see this woman's haunting face every time I close my eyes. It was wild. I mean, if you really are interested in like the difference between, and I say difference with invisible quotes around it because there really is no difference between multi-level marketing and pyramid schemes. Like it does a really great job of outlining how people can get away with MLMs when in fact they are literal pyramid schemes. It's just like, it was really well done. Great interviews. They have interviews with both people that are still very much in LuLaRoe and participating in it. And then there are people that have gotten out that are now like leading support groups for these Huns that have been damaged uh, or out like ten th- tens of thousands of dollars in inventory. Just really interesting, crazy story. Uh, Lula Rich on Amazon. Watch it. Um, also, the Mexican weight loss surgery element. Holy shit. There's just so much to yeah. it. There was just bonkers yep i have a one pair of lularoe leggings that were given to me um yep they're insane looking and have dodos all over them yep i have a pair like that yeah. what is the dodo coming out of your vagina yeah probably yeah mm-hmm. um i try not to look too closely but i uh, cut all of mine into shorts so people don't know i have several pairs of these leggings <laughs> i inherited from my family member oh god um they're pretty comfy, though, I gotta They're say. They're very comfortable. But, like, that is probably because it was an early batch. Like, they started mm-hmm. having crazy quality control problems towards the end because they just, like, scaled up way too quickly. I mean, the scaling of this business is mm-hmm. wild. Mm-hmm. Like, just crazy. They go from, like, one year making, like, a couple hundred thousand dollars, and then the next year they've made, like, $1.2 billion. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. nuts. It's crazy town. What about you, Teresa? What do you got? Well, I was having trouble, too, because... I- I'm still only watching basically this only murders in the building and like HGTV. But sure. <laughs> like, but it dawned on me, Rebecca, that I did just read Gone Girl because we're going to be talking oh. about it on oh. our other podcast, Midlist. Yeah, spoiler that nobody's heard that information. You guys are hearing it first. Yeah. Um, and I really, I'd seen the movie. I hadn't read the book, even though I've read the other Gillian Flynn books. And it is just so much bleaker than the movie, yeah, even, yeah. really. And so I really kind of recommend it because it's just really unflinching. And it's like this bleak teardown of, I feel like, marriage as an institution, even. And like, um, but but at a really heightened level. And it's just so depressing in the end, not in the way you might think if all you've seen is the movie. So I I really recommend it. I read that book when it was like 
first out. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, a hot book. And a friend of mine, we went on like a little girls getaway down to Florida. And we both were like reading that poolside the whole trip. And when I finished it, the level of rage I had at the final episode of this show, Nine Perfect Strangers, was nothing compared to my rage with uh, Gone Girl. I literally wanted to throw that book in the pool. I needed it to like not even exist in my in in my world anymore. I didn't even want to pack it and bring it back. Um, it it is it is so. Uh, but I guess that's what makes it good. It was like very provoking with. Uh, I think that's what makes Gillian Flynn good is mm-hmm. that she doesn't give you Resolution. even when you think you've she's resolved a story in a way that you're kind of okay with, she then comes back and hits you with something else and you're like, oh no. She's like actually yeah. just kidding, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which honestly is the kind of writing I wanted for this show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So honestly, like I would have, like they probably should have brought Gillian Flynn in as a writer on this team with David E. Kelly because she could have helped him not fuck this up. But yeah, that's I mean, a great recommendation. Enough. I and I mean to just how iconic that you go and invent like a whole new archetype in a book. Like mm-hmm. the cool girl existed before Gillian Flynn, but to like give name to it and now that is just like what it's known as. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was just iconic behavior. No choice but to stand Gillian Flynn. So yeah, tune into the next season of Midblood if you're uh, also a Gillian Flynn stan. Um, I'm also going to recommend a comedian that I just discovered last night. Um, Brian was like scrolling through Twitter as he does, and he came across someone whose like Twitter name is at Rich Hedberg instead of Mitch Hedberg. Yep, and yep. we were like, wait, what? And so we started doing a deeper dive, and he was like, tell someone you know, who doesn't know about me, about my comedy. And I was like, challenge accepted. So his real name is Niles Abston, and he recorded his um, first special in, like, I don't know, someone's living room, it looks like. And and there's just, like, bad curtains behind him. And he does this whole bit about how he wanted to be a rapper, but he couldn't be a rapper because his dad's a lawyer. And, like, you can't be a rapper if your family is capable of, like, defending you in a legal situation. And so, like, it's he was really quite funny. We watched, I don't know, maybe five or ten minutes of the special because it was late and we were going to bed. But I'm definitely going to finish watching it. I liked it a lot. Cool. All right, so we're coming back for a book club episode soon, right, ladies? Yes. yes. I don't think it's going to be next week, but it might be the week after. We like to keep you in suspense, yeah. just like our boy David. Yeah. It'll drop, and it'll be some delightful surprise for you. <laughs> and you still haven't given us any sign-off, so we're going to continue just to leave you in awkwardness until we trail off into oblivion at the end of this episode, like the ones before. <laughs> listening to Big Little Podcast. If you enjoy our show, please consider becoming one of our valued podcast supporters at www.thebiglittlepodcast.com or just leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform. Can't get enough of us? Follow us on social media at Big Little Podcast for exclusive content in between new episodes.